Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And at the Vorthos cast, we take colon health very seriously, which is why we're very proud that uh, Jay Anelli's new book has three colons in it. <laughs> is magic colon the gathering colon legends colon a visual history. Wow. And it comes out tomorrow if you would like to go pick that up. I would have included like a hyphen or an M dash in oh, there yeah, somewhere. I was for one. Wow. <laughs> but wow, Carrie. That's just that's just how it got in. That was in. gold. Alright. So we don't have much to talk about this week in terms of news, except for the announcement of the Extra Life Secret Layer, which contains some super awesome artwork. Um there is an incredibly cute Teferi's Protection where he is playing with his daughter Nyambi. You might recognize the art from the Core 2021 um, product insert stuff. Uh, there's also a couple other great pieces in there, including a Johnny teaching some essentially Leonin kittens uh, how to stand in line uh, at, at attention and stuff. It's it's very good. Yeah, he's training child soldiers. It's adorable. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Do you know how quickly kittens grow up? Well, it's on Collected Company, so it happens at instant speed, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's also Amulet of Vigor, which has a kid with a little Amulet of Vigor, and uh, Consecrated Sphinx, with a a Sphinx playing with kids who are all finger-painting on the Sphinx. It's, It's pretty cute. It is very cute. That's my favorite, I think. This secret layer is a little pricier than some of the other ones. Uh, it's a $60 USD, um, but half of that, so $30, will always go to the Extra Life charity benefiting the Seattle Children's Hospital. So um, for effectively $30, you're getting four really powerful magic cards, uh, especially if you play Commander or uh, Modern um, or Cube or whatever these are these are very very good cards with unique art foil they're wonderful and um that's going to be available uh 9 a.m pacific time november 6th through 9 a.m pacific time november 9th so while some secret layers are only available for a day uh this one's going to be up for a couple days so you uh, have a much bigger window to order this for charity so our feature for the week is going to be a mailbag Because of the Return of Magic story to the web, we didn't have a lot of time to dive into uh, mailbag questions in a while. So let's start with one that has been sitting in our uh, little mailbag slot for entirely too long. (laughs) Do we know anything about the voice coming from the Ozolith? And that is from AZ Chango on Twitter. I have a very good idea, I think, but I cannot answer. I'm I'm staying away from that, but I I have a very good suspicion. I don't know for sure, but I think I know. <laughs> I cannot comment. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like I'm not sure if it was like I'm leaning toward Ozo, but it, it also seems like the kind of thing Nicol Bolas would would sit and and like put some kind of thing, like some kind of recording or something of himself in some kind of magical rock and in some far fetched plane. In case something were to go wrong with his, with his plans, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm leaning toward Oko. It's it's hard to see in the art on the Ozolith, but if you look very closely at the base, there's a little tape deck for a cassette. Where, uh, <laughs> oh, his message. 
I'm on I'm on Team Oko as well because just to, because of the way it talked and like its mannerisms and like the personality it had made me think of Oko. I feel like Nickel Bowles would be kind of a stretch, but it could also be someone new who we haven't met yet, and maybe we'll learn more about them in Kaldheim. Yeah, I think this is just like one of the missing pieces for how Ikoria fits into the larger picture. Like we obviously had Vivian and Narset there, but how it ties into everything else who exactly was guiding slash manipulating Luca is just kind of outstanding because, I mean, we're waiting on all the pieces to fit together for everything post-war. One of our live listeners pointed out, and I I thought of this like the same moment that they put it in the chat too, so I'm really glad someone else is on my mind there. Uh, It could be related to Kazmina. We learned something new about Kazmina in the art book, which we will discuss next week question mark yes and yes next week and so maybe she's related to the ozolith somehow that'd be really interesting so the next question comes from taya on our discord server which lesser seen tribe would each of you like to see more of in lore uh i want to see more bunder uh the little cat monkeys from kaladesh because i love them and also i want all gremlins to die and to be replaced with the bunder wow that was really harsh towards the gremlins you didn't have to go there, Jay. <laughs> I think we all know what Lower Eyes is. Uh, correct. It is Gremlins, because fuck you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Like, now I'm kind of perplexed. Like, that that caught me off guard. I thought Lorelai was going to say Homerids. But it's Homerids. I want to see more elves, but that's not lesser known. So I guess... <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll go with... Uh, hmm shaman i want to see more shaman support fair enough chris uh i feel like it's kind of a given that i really want to see more surikar yeah surikar they're really cool and we didn't get any of them and i'm still upset but i don't know i want to see more surikar i want to know what happens that was the that was actually the first one i was thinking of but i I was like i don't really want to pick a blue creature druids druids okay because there's that there's that one card from lore when slash shadow more block where you tap seven druids and gain control of all people's yep. lands and it or target person's lands and it's like it's just out of nowhere i love it it's such a it's such a very very stupid deck to play 99 cards of with druid theme and then just have like one card that actually pays off the entire theme and nothing else actually does much but that, that was actually my second choice after a shaman because i wasn't sure which one i should pick all right, so the next question comes from Rowan slash Finn on our Discord server. What is your favorite of the planes wizards would like us to forget about? I.e. like Shandalar, Ogratha, Mercadia, etc. Uh, I disagree with Shandalar because it was like a major setting up until just a few years ago. But Shandalar is definitely my favorite of like the planes that have not really sig- or and are probably not going to see a full set again. It wasn't, like, a major... Like, yeah, it was the default for the core sets, but they did very little with it. Yeah, like, I understand where your comment is coming from, but it's hard to say it was major. It's, like, in that weird in-between spot, you know, which I guess feels appropriate for Chandelar. But, you know, I I am a huge Chandelar fan. (laughs) I love Chandelar as a plane. Um, There's, you know, it's the default core set plane for a while uh, because of its generally generic flavor. But there's been enough story there in Magic history recently, and especially in Magic's really early days, where 
There's some pretty full histories on that plane and a lot of geographic locations that we know and a lot of named characters who have either visited there or who continue to exist there. Uh, and that makes it a place that I enjoy because there's now a lot of specificity. And um, that's probably going to be my answer, especially from the planes given here. Like, I'm torn because... First off, I want to go back to Lorwyn because there's more elves, but my real favorite answer is Kamigawa, but there's no elf there, so it's it's a really hard decision. But I'm going to go with Lorwyn just because Carrie has found some information that hints that maybe we might go, be going back to Kamigawa anyway, so who knows? We'll see. It's kind of hard for me to choose. Now, I don't have like a lot of knowledge of a lot of the early magic planes. Like I'll be honest with y'all, I've never read anything about the invasion block or the story of the invasion uh, so maybe like Sarah's realm, we haven't really heard a lot about a, mm. about that place in a while. Yeah, I'd like to to go back. I feel like they want us to forget about it. Yeah, that'd be a great location for us to go back to in the current story. What with it? Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Uh... There's, there's... It's 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 living in an upstate plane farm. Uh... <laughs> uh, I think my actual answer is Mercadia. I think Mercadia is really cool, and Ooh. I want to go back to it. I want to see more Mercadia. Give me more of those Chiron, the Chiron goblins. I do like the Chiron goblins, yeah. Ragatha. You know, you guys know I'm wild for Order of Heliod. <laughs> and I think it's the the easiest follow-up for any, any like, especially being an interplanar order. Like, it's just a very, very easy, like, already pre-existing white-aligned antagonist organization that you could just follow up on and also have connections to relevant characters from the past year but um yeah i think they're they're a little too cowardly like at the same time i don't think like kesmina's organization is like a reskin of the infinite consortium but it's just like you have interplanar orders that exist i just want more of those and i want them to be fully fleshed out and i want you guys to take the pre-existing ones and just like do something cool with them because like at the core of it like, if you're going to have plane-spanning stories, then plane-spanning organizations that are obviously antagonists are just kind of easy to write. I I do want to return to this question for a little bit, because uh, there's a plane, it wasn't on the list, um, but a plane that uh, exists and we've gotten, like, a few hints of that I would really love to see one day is Kaldheim. I don't know if they do that, though. If you would have asked me a few months ago, it would have been Kaldheim, because I would have been like, those trolls are never going to do it. They're going to just, like, reskin a new Viking world, and then they're never going to, like, um, talk about Kaldheim again. <laughs> I still can't believe it got to stay Kaldheim. Like, I'm so happy. I think a real small addition to this list would be Segovia. <sighs> okay, wow. <moving> on. <laughs> so our next question comes from Combat Wombat uh, in our Discord server. What's the deal with dwarves in MTG, and why are there so few of them? So, real quick answer for this is, uh, up until recently, they shared the exact same space with uh, goblins, and goblins were more popular. Uh, now that wizards have started to push them more into white and red, we're starting to see them more in on planes. That, that's it. That's the answer. Is it Matt Cavada who wrote the old Savor the Flavor about dwarves? I think yeah. so. I'm I'm pretty sure it was Matt. But there's a good, really good old Savor the Flavor article about dwarves and why we really don't see them. And it's because it's like, hey, like the upshot of the article is basically they fill the same flavorful space as goblins. They are small red creatures that live underground and 
well, if magic is going to do dwarves, it should, like, you know, it, it visually, artistically, because, you know, Makovat is an artist, like, dwarves should look a little more like underground dwelling creatures. So here are the ways we can tweak dwarven anatomy to, to feel visually diff distinct from just small humans. Uh, and then he finishes the list and it's like, oh, wait, we've just made a goblin. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, dwarves expanding to white, and uh, focusing uh, more on um, kind of the the classic, uh, I guess, starting in Tolkien and, and following through in D&D that uh, dwarves are uh, crafters, they are weaponsmiths, they are armorsmiths, they make things with their hands. Uh, and that puts them in white very cleanly too, which is why we're seeing them again, which is uh, nice to see. So our next question comes again from our Discord server from David. Uh, since Commander Legends previews start the day this episode will be released, which two characters would you like to have partner Commander cards printed in that set, excluding the ones that have been officially previewed? So I don't think Lorelai and I can comment on this one. So Brian, you go first. <laughs> for, for different reasons. I'm not commenting because I've been uh, paying attention to the leaks and I know things, so... Uh, and they got, they got uh, Hal and Elena, so I kind of don't care about anybody else as much. <laughs> uh, it's Ella Domery and Belby or Lin Stivy. Um I would love to see a Lin Stivy card that wasn't strictly Rebels Tribal or isn't focused on searching your deck. Like if she were a lord that did something else but alluded to the rebel thing, that would be cool, but I'm not sure about that. But Belby would be really sweet as well, and having her be a partner with her dad would be really cool. If I had to, like, I've seen some of the leaks, but not enough. I just looked at the pictures. I have no idea if any of this is confirmed, but I would love to see a Miss High, uh, Highwater and a Crunchnar. Yeah. And, like, partner cards. Uh, they would both be mono black, but they would be like two opposite sides of mono black, you know, and it would just be really cool to have them as like partners. I like it. I'm shooting for the stars. I want partner. And this is just playing to Lorelai's taste. I want partner commanders that are Tevish Zot and Leshrock. I know we're not going to get them <laughs> in the same set. Like they're both pretty mono black characters. Like I think Zat is a little bit blue too, just based on like invasion cards and everything. But it's like. I would die to be able to run those two as a commander and then just like, I don't know, like live the Chandelar days, live the, <laughs> live the shitty buddy, buddy antagonist days. Just put your crappy limb duel in there. and They are the best frenemies the multiverse has ever seen. I love them so much. And yes, uh, Zot uh, uses blue magic all over the Armada comics. There's uh during the Summon of the Null Moon, he is largely pushed back by Freilis because they're dueling on a plane covered in islands, and Freilis destroys all the islands on an entire plane just to deny him blue mana. So. I like it. That's my lady. Can I can I also note that my troll answer would be Sash and Waistcoat? <laughs> <laughs> but that's just like that's just to deal psychic damage. That that, that was that was my third pick, actually. That like uh, yes. Really? Oh my like I think I think it could happen. I don't think it would be likely to happen, and that's like the worst part. What about Hakara and Rat? Like, just there's so many good um, unused side characters that you can just kind of throw out there. So, yeah, there are a lot of good pairs out there that that would work really well. Tezzer and Doctor Jest. 
All right. (laughs) From uh, Jane Olivia 96 in our Discord server. If you were all magic cards, what colors would you be and what would your card do? Uh, I would be a blue-red goblin artificer uh, who... I don't know what they do. They do goblin things and artifact things. Maybe make goblin artifacts. That sounds good to me. I'm not a developer, so I'm not going to add generic mana, but I'd be a teamer creature with flash. And when I ETB, I would draw a card, counter target spell, and deal two damage to target creature or plane, up to one target creature or planeswalker. It's probably going to cost five or six mana and be like a one one, but whatever. I want the ultimate teamer tempo card. All right. Uh, well, I've actually kind of done this exercise uh, and. I would be a flip planeswalker, creature on the front, planeswalker on the back. I would be an elf lord, and I'd be Selesny on the front, and I'd be Abzan on the back. And my flip trigger would be whenever an elf dies. Another. <gasps> um, and I would flip, and I would be super vengeant about it. And yeah. Probably just a green-blue planeswalker, like four starting loyalty, plus two, create a food token, plus one. Uh, make something a 3-3 three, three elk, minus 5 exchange control of something for another thing. Like, just pretty basic, you know? Probably wouldn't be very good. I mean, like, the only removal option is to really turn in- opponent's creatures into 3-3s, three and that doesn't even I wouldn't name right. myself, like, carry on the card. I would, like, flavor name, like, Uro or something, you know? All right. So, our next question comes from Cody. Uh, having now had a year of all returns and a year of different planes, how do you feel about the three-in-one model from the Vorthos standpoint? What I will say, with the extent of the kinds of things I can say about this, is I think it's nice that we get to see a lot more characters uh, in a given year. Uh, as someone with ADHD, uh, it's great because I don't have to stay on the same damn plane for a whole year. I honestly was not a fan of the three sets of Ravnica. Uh, that really tired me out on Ravnica. We were like, w- once Ravnica Legion's preview season ended, I was like, I want to get off this plane. Uh, and then st- I still had to deal with a whole entire set after that on Ravnica. And uh, so I like exploring new worlds. This gets us more returns and more new planes in the same year. And I guess uh, I have a unique perspective because I work on some of these sets. And so... Uh, a greater diversity of sets is more interesting for me as an artist because I get to do more different things within a year. I have very mixed feelings about it. I like having a lot of new worlds, which I'm really excited about this upcoming slate where we are going to like Kaldheim and then Strixhaven and then Forgotten Realms, which is kind of new. And I like that we've been to new places a lot. I also don't really like having one visit to a world be one set. Like I feel like Ikoria would have been a lot better if it had been two sets. Uh, And I think that the problem there is I don't want two big sets. So I kind of miss in some ways the large set, small set model for new planes, but I really hate it for returning planes. Like, I think it was great to do one large set on Dominaria uh, to like give us a return there, but I feel like doing one large set and one small set for a new place like Ikoria would have been great. Or Eldraine. Oh my god, Eldraine would have been, I think, so much better if we'd had two sets. But I don't want two large sets, so it's kind of like a, I don't know, mixed feelings. I I feel like it's fine. Um, I kind of wish they would 
increase the amount of planes that they were returning to because i feel like we're going back to innistrad and so and and such before we've revisited a little bit of the other planes that we have access to like um mirrodin uh alara things of that nature like you know it's but i guess i'm not super concerned about it on a warthos level i know on a melvin level it's kind of like it's it's a different story like i miss having multiple sets to reinforce mechanics but that's something completely different that's about where i land where like i would love to have the mechanical connection between large set small set again i adored the two block or the two set per block um structure that we had before and like i guess the current model lets you go to a lot more places per year but that's also like very very resource intensive obviously and with the addition of like the franchise efforts not exactly succeeding on both like comic and um, novel fronts we're kind of locked into like these are the only stories that we're seeing where i feel like maybe having a breath of fresh air with like being able to have comics set on alara would have given people like a little more option in that but what can we do how uh this is from blue how would you spend a day in the multiverse if you could choose anywhere anytime uh i would hang out on kaladesh and i would watch some quicksmithing matches or something because i feel like that's one of the few places where i'm reasonably certain not to be killed horribly not to be contrarian to jay again but i would be on dominaria in keld antagonizing radha until she pounds my body into a pulp and i died the gayest lesbian death in the multiverse like I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I don't even know what to say after that um i, I i'm kind of with jay with the quicksmithing that that stuff really intrigues me um like i guess if it's not kaladesh it's ravnica just because you know selesnia i'd probably dip into the the selesnia kool-aid for a little bit and then realize that i'm a little bit i i'm i'm not completely about the 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 uh getting into the 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 i'm just selfish enough not to want to exceed everything to the collective i have two answers one of them is family friendly the other one is not the family friendly answer is uh kaladesh because that's like the coolest place to hang out go do some parties with some aether uh whatchamacallums um etherborn etherborn uh you know hang out it's probably got like some cool like street fairs going on and stuff like that uh the non-family friendly one is uh, hit up a bar on uh, Ravnica with Ral and Tomek and just see what happens, you know? Go to one of those Rakdos clubs together. Things things can happen there. <laughs> <laughs> I think going to Olgrotha just to come back and tell everybody what has changed on Olgrotha and then nobody <laughs> believing you. <laughs> That's, that'd be... You're, you're, you're doing the world a service. So our next question I, is... I have determined that you are all cowards. (laughs) (laughs) Our next question is from Carrie. Can you all hear me? Yes. Yes, we can, Carrie. Actually, I I can't. Regretfully. I got like seven Karn faces in chat for that (laughs) one. (laughs) The next is from Luminum Can. If you had to remove a color from the game, which would you choose? Uh, All right. No explanations. Green. Lorelai white brian blue chris green carrie 
Green. All right, Green has it. Oh. Goodbye, Green. <laughs> oh my God! Jay, Jay's next victim, the color green. For Lorelai, what set in the past would you have loved to be on the Flavor Text team on? This is from Kuyashi. Any past set? Oh, I can tell you, I really wish I was on the Modern Horizons Two team, but that's uh, in the future. Uh, new Frexia, probably. I love horror. I love body horror. Um, you know, that Eldritch Moon would be good number two, but I, I really, really want to write Phyrexia. I want to write the techno horror. The thing, the thing with Eldritch Moon is that the Emrakul stuff is unhinged and unfathomable. It is, it is different than writing the horror of a technocratic death machine, which is really transhumanist in a way that the Emrakul stuff isn't. Like, the Emrakul stuff happens for reasons that we don't understand. But Phyrexia has purpose. It has direction. It has drive. It has ambition. And I just want to dig into all that. I want to make everything one. All will be one. Glory to Phyrexia. All right. Uh, our second parter is for everyone, uh, but we will say everyone but Lorelai because she got the last question. Well, that's rude. How will you be fired from the Vorthos cast? I'm fired all the time, so just listen to our library if you want to find out how. Uh, I this this is good because I would not be fired because I I'm just too good to fire. I would be fired because I I worked too many late nights on Thursdays and had to be kicked off the cast because I missed too many episodes. <gasps> never, never, never. Uh, I'm gonna be fired out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Leaking a future magic. <laughs> Our next question comes from Vinnie Wonka. How much time passed since the from the run for the implicit maze till Vraska's takeover of the Golgaria? Uh, when did she petrify Asperia? So there's about two and a half years between Return to Ravnica and the Ravnica Allegiance story. Um, I'm not going to get more specific than that there's there's no real point it's about two and a half years but how many them. months and days um lots so <laughs> Wonka's next question is how long did it take dovin to replace asperia oh no dovin stepped in like the next day yeah i was about to say i thought that was like a literal next day thing in the story that was in Django wexler's excellent the gathering storm the next is from mapper is there any information on what's what was happening in the meditation realm during war of the spark uh if there is it'll be something discussed in the war of the spark art book which we'll cover next week uh what was your favorite headcanon about anything vorthos related and that is from logan uh mine's obviously going to be the ten thousand word essay i wrote on who the raven man is that has (laughs) still not actually been answered uh but that's still my favorite headcanon that's the best damn thing we ever worked on. It was all downhill from there. It was. <laughs> my my best head canon and OTP is uh, Kiora and Jory and hashtag Team Mermaids. They should be girlfriends. They should kiss. I want it to happen so bad. Uh, my head canon is that Eladomri and uh, Lensibi didn't actually die when they jumped down from that tree. And uh, Eladomri ascended into Planeswalker Hood. Uh, I think my favorite headcanon is just the mini adventures that Huatli and Sahili have gone on together in my mind. 
I think that is the coolest pairing of planeswalkers, both as like people who are probably dating and also just as friends. Like I want to see, like I just have a whole bunch of headcanons of them just fighting together and going on adventures together. I think they're, finding they're new cool. creatures to build, like or to tame, like that, that that's awesome. Dinobots. I would love that. Yes. Dinobots. I, I will say I am also a big Dinobots fan. Um, it's it's hard to call it a ship because we ha- we like there have been a few lines here and there that are like on the cusp of confirming something between them because um, we know uh, Watley went and stayed with Sahili on Kaladesh, which is gay. Um, but I I would love like some good official confirmation of of Dinobots someday i'm happy with them just being friends but i mean i want more but also just i think they're really cool like dynamic. i would love to see them just headline a story on like adventuring for a block going to some random worlds with some awesome creatures i would be all about that for a magic storyline i will say the headcanon i want the most to be true is stolen from beer and bower a multiverse in review and it is that uh Leshrac, when imprisoned on phyrexia helped yogmoth build wrath yes i love that one <laughs> it is it is cash money i love that it makes the most sense and it's just like it has the most potential for like explaining a very very minor hole that nobody needs explained but like it would make sense you know also a fan of that one yes it is one of the coolest hasn't mattered in 20 year old 20 years <laughs> lore bits yeah definitely all right which previously dropped storyline would you find interesting if it was suddenly brought back from the dead uh for me i think the storyline that got dropped is dak fadens and bringing him <laughs> back from the dead didn't didn't you kill him jay yep, totally happened i i <laughs> You Correlation does not imply causation, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Lorelai. Th- this might be where I say the Raven Man. Um, I like, like, God, I love the Raven Man as a character. I want to delve more into what he's about. It's hard to balance a character like that because you want to maintain mysteries, but you also, like, your audience also wants answers. So it's it's hard to answer things while also leaving things mysterious. It's a very difficult line to walk. I hope we get to do it someday. I really I really want that to kind of become the focus of Liliana's arc moving forward. Now that she's past Bola, she's past the demon, she's past the chain veil. Uh, all she has left is the Raven Man and uh, trying to do better. I don't know. I will. We'll see. Um, mine is I would want to know how uh, Captain Sisse and the Victory uh like how their story ended like i, I want to know more about what happened after the war other than you know dominaria going through the 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 ravages of all the other stuff like i want to know what happened between the end of the war and odyssey block i would love to know what happened to sisay and the crew of the weatherlight on aboard the victory yeah we have a whole hundred year hole where we just like don't know anything about dominaria uh, I'm gonna go on the Raven Man train here and say I want that storyline resolved. I love Liliana as a character, and I want I want resolution. I just want it. We're a pro Raven Man podcast. I want more. Uh, I think whatever's happening with Koth, you know, mm-hmm. we haven't mm. we haven't seen him in a decade. Nothing, just a mystery, you know. Yep, I should have said that. Derp. 
<laughs> it's kind of a joke, but comes, <laughs> but also not. What do we know? Okay, this one comes from Gal Paladins. Oh, hey, Gal. Uh, what do we know about the formal burial or funerary rites in magic lore? Uh, joke answer of no, but we have seen unbarrel rights is acceptable, but only if you play a cheesy laugh track. Uh, I, hold, I, I am not editing a laugh track in. We have five people on. It's just, it's more editing work than I want to do. So we're going to have to actually give a real answer. Sorry. <laughs> so we know on Innistrad that they are, uh, interred, um, Usually, sometimes in a silver cage, uh, sometimes buried underground. I would assume uh, Kaladesh uh, was all about um, a cremation, like uh, is typical in, in Indian culture. Other than that, I'm not sure we've got a lot. We've got of uh, cremation for the Moldaya elves that just got answered in Zeneca Rising. Mm-hmm. We see on Theros, they uh, people are buried with clay masks and uh, coins to go across the river Tartix, and um, it's uh, pretty parallel to actual ancient Greek burial traditions. That's a handful of things. Question for Lorelei from Kate Hulhu. Uh, did she know that I love her and that she's a huge dork? Uh, Kate, I do know that you love me and I love you too, and also I am not a dork. Our next question comes from MTG Deck Check on Twitter. She's totally a dork. Uh, what does Nissa eat? <laughs> she got so angry when that plant died in the Zendikar Rising story. So I'm starting to think that she isn't a vegan. Is Nissa a carnivore? I don't remember if we've actually seen her eat meat. I'm imagining she only eats meat now. <laughs> I, I can actually dig that. She's got uh, several rows of very sharp teeth in her mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> uh typically elves are omnivores so yeah she's she probably eat whatever she has to eat as long as it's like sustainably sourced uh she doesn't have a problem with like a random plant like a carrot is not as long as it's not a carrot elemental that is imbued with the life force of zendikar she'll probably be fine eating it i vaguely recall her being vegetarian but i don't remember if that was true uh, our next one comes from Colorless Karn on Twitter. Will we ever get an arty shovelhead legendary creature card? We no, did. We, no, it's called Colorless Silver Golem. We should Gollum. not encourage bullying. So Agreed. no. <laughs> our next one comes from uh, Neverbowl. It feels uh, like it's it's Neverbole, as in hyperbole. Never <laughs> oh, never, yeah. neverbully. Okay, neverbully. I get it. I get it. Okay. Yes, neverbully. That's what we just went over. <laughs> It feels like Wizards is printing way more Legends per set these days. As Vorthos's, how do you feel about this? Excited to have more characters? Sad because there are characters whose stories will likely never be told? Like Pylath, Grakma. Grakma was in a story. Uh, and Yasharn? Uh, I, I, I'm fine with it. Like, I think we are... It's, it's really going to depend, you know, like with the zendikar rising model we actually got a lot of the legendary creatures covered and the ones that we didn't it's cool that they exist they might pop up again in the future or something like that um but i'm generally okay with it as like a world building tool my, my take is that we have always had legendary creatures that did very either did nothing in the story or very little in the story so that hasn't changed 
And more legendary creatures, you know, as a commander player, I'm fine with more legends. I love more options in commander. Wizards is supporting Brawl a lot better now that it's on Arena. More commanders for Brawl is good for uh, Arena and the people who enjoy that format, which is a not insignificant amount of people. And uh, from a game design point, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Like, I don't mind a lack of story content for some things because fans will fill things in on their own. They will latch on to weird esoteric things and and build build fan fiction, fan art ideas in their heads. Um, having room for that and not just like, hey, literally everything has to get mentioned. Like, there, there. I I like that there was space for fandom. May I remind everybody of the criticism of Dominaria story number 11 or 12 or whatever it was whenever they started just doing like the cameo scene by scene and it's like <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah is that what you want for every story because when you have like 20 legendary creatures and you only have like 10 stories you kind of just need to like sandwich in two cameos every single story or else you're going to end up with a story like that so yeah so like narratively you only want so many characters in your story and so you just, it's bad for magic story if there are too many characters written in the stories themselves also. So. I will echo everything that Lorelai and Carrie just said with the caveat that it also means that we also get to yell at Jay to produce more books so that we get backstories for all these characters. <laughs> get right in Jay. So employ Jay more on Wizards, please. <laughs> uh, okay, our next question also comes from Neverbully. Uh, if Kenrith is Will and Rowan's last name, does King Kenrith have a first name? Yes, it's Algonus. After that, we have something from the Karn father. Uh, what the hell actually happened on Theros? Well, it's funny you say what the hell, because that's basically <laughs> what happened on Theros. <laughs> so there, there is a story summary, uh, as unsatisfying as that may be. Uh, but that does tell the exact story of what happened, even if it doesn't have exciting prose to go along with it, which is the subject of our next question. Uh, Lbolt187, does your team believe we're going to get a piece of fiction for Theros beyond death, or has Wizards Creative just moved on? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can answer <laughs> Jay, anything. You, you just can't this. say anything here. Um... I, I believe Jeremy Jarvis's statement said that they were looking for opportunities, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, I would like it to, like, but I'm not I'm not going to expect it, but I would like it. Uh, also, I want to I really appreciate this question because it referred to us as a team, and that's really wholesome. We're more like a family around here. I think what I will what I will what I can say about this is. Uh, a story disconnected from the set or block it goes on, it might make sense. Um, it might make more sense for like coming out maybe sometime before we see Elspeth again, rather than coming out randomly well after we've moved on from Theros. I expect if we ever see it, it will be during a time period where there's not a lot of main set releases, uh, which seems like it'll never happen. But I mean, we've had stretches of time where most of what we were getting were like supplementary products. So I could see it coming out when that kind of thing drops. But otherwise, I have no hope to ever see that story. That's my take on it. I 
don't expect there to be a Theros Beyond Death story at all, only because, like, we've had a very, very rocky history in the past of, like, if a set move or a block even, misses out on a story, like the original Innistrad block, like, they're not dying to retell that story even when it comes relevant again. And it's just kind of like, I mean, it's throwing money into a pit of, like, tell a story for a set that's already come out and not necessarily being able to sell it in this case um, when they would have been able to usually. Um, I just I just see it as, like, kind of a lost cost unless they become very, very more flexible with what kind of products they're going to associate stories with, like, outside of something like a Modern Horizons having, like, a cool set story to go along with it. Like, you're kind of not going to get a glimpse of that. I think that's a very reasonable uh, interpretation. So the next one comes from MTG Deck Check. Uh, what plane would be best fitting for a legendary water bear or, a, a, I guess, a tardigrade? Yes. I, I think Iquitana, I think, would be cool to have. Holy, holy shit. You just, you just, that's what I was going to say. I was, I had a whole spiel ready about how everyone, everyone's going to say Segovia. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. Everything on Segovia is tiny, but Segovia isn't like a minute, like the things on Segovia are just regular things. And I was going to say the, the good answer is a Kotana because weird things are on that plane. And then he just went and said it. Screw you, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would love uh, for there to be like a, tardigrade leviathan on uh segovia though <laughs> no because they just have regular leviathans no but there should be tardigrade leviathans on iquitana like iquitana just feels a lot like the quantum realm in the ant-man movies mm-hmm. it's just a weird plane like that uh the next one comes from siegfried docto on twitter have y'all got the war of the spark book yet does it finally tell us why bolus wanted the eldrazi loose and what his original plans were uh, I think it mentions that, but we learned that way back in the Zendikar art book, where base we're going to talk about next week. Uh, the next one comes from Lemongrass64. How do y'all feel about Jace's power level in the recent stories? After receiving all of his memories back and being able to contend against Bolas, he should be one of the strongest mind mages in the multiverse, but he feels like regular old Jace. Uh, what I'll say is, I think he is stronger, but he's still a human. So when we're talking about him contending with a 25,000-year-old Elder Dragon, 20-something Jace, even at his strongest, still is not going to be... He's not going toe-to-toe with Bolas's mind powers. And, like, I, I think we need perspective here. Um, as, as much as I hate about talking about, like, power levels in uh, narrative, especially in game narrative, Jace pretty easily mind controls Nahiri, who is a sparkling little firecracker. And she doesn't even realize it's happening. It, like, doesn't even just mind control her to move her. Mind controls her and uses her to use her lithomancy to open up a huge stone wall. Um... Jason's been doing stuff like this since he was a teenager. He crushed the mind of an extremely powerful Sphinx mind mage, I'll hammer it, as a 15-year-old. Yikes. I think people just need to realize that there are scales of power, and sometimes you, you need to be able to analyze things based on like relative power levels, like... Someone can be super power, can be really powerful when facing one thing, but have a very poor matchup against something else, like Bolas versus Nahiri. 
both powerful in their own right, but very differing levels of powerful in different ways. My take on Jace is that he simultaneously learned that he has tremendous experience and power that he did not remember he had before, while also learning the incredible weight and responsibility that comes with that power. So I feel as if he is kind of balancing himself out there. He knows he can dominate people's minds and control them, and he also knows how awful and terrible that is. Yeah, like he, he is aware that if he wanted to, he could just walk around and shatter people's minds and just do whatever he wants. But he doesn't because he's a hero. That's like a defining part of his character is that he, he's a good he boy. has this absurd power to damage other people and doesn't do that. What I'll add to that is the ethical applications of his power is also something he started to consider a lot more recently in the story. Mm-hmm. Did, did a heck in empathy. Yeah, usually waiting until uh, like a, a regular physical force would be reasonable in a given situation before using his mental force on somebody. Actually tries to talk to people instead of just taking the answers from their minds all the time. Anyone else want to weigh in on that one before we move on? No, I just want interesting mind mage battles. Uh, that would be cool. Like mind mage versus mind mage. That's something we need to see. M- more so than... Oh, I, a solid wall that is bolus's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so our next question comes from Cube April. You you might know about her. She uh, she's you know a serious one on the twitters. Uh, who are the Samuel Coleridge and Edgar Allan Poe characters that appear in so many magic flavor texts? When do you think they'll get their own legendary creatures, and do you think they'll have partner with? Well, I'll tell you, Edgar Allan Poe was one of the characters I considered for the Raven Man. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be relevant to the lore again. Uh, he comes from my f- favorite plane, Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, I don't know much lore about him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Thank God that flavor text doesn't use real world, real world literature quotes anymore. Like, not that it like breaks my immersion or anything. I just think it's like kind of <laughs> stupid. <laughs> i'm glad you said that carrie because i was about to follow up with breaks my immersion uh i just do want to say that samuel coleridge would not have partners with edgar Allan poe samuel coleridge would have partners with william wordsworth and that is the deep dive for you english majors out there enjoy it so here here here's the thing if magic still used real world flavor texts what is the line because like mostly it was either bible quotes or like old dead white guys and so what's to stop me then from you know quoting Kamina from Gurren Lagann on yes. the magic cards <laughs> you know what what is to stop me from doing utterly ridiculous things in that regard you know um also you said plane of baltimore and now i'm just like does this make the the crabs in Blazeball, does that mean they were Planeswalker? Because they ascended. So yes. Mm-hmm. They're Planeswalkers now? Like, mm-hmm. the whole team is, like, a Will and Rowan share with Spark Planeswalker? God. Cannon. Oh, Lord. Nope. Cannon. Nope. Nope. This is the cannon I get fired from. The ne- <laughs> uh, the next question comes from 500 gigs D card. Uh, who is it's Commodore 500 Guff? gig SD card. Come on, Jay. <laughs> 500 gig SD card. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who is Commodore Guff and why do they upset people? Commodore Guff is a fourth wall breaking character from the invasion 
who basically they set up the invasion so that there was no way for the heroes to win. And Commodore Guff shows up, who's essentially a new character, and takes out his book of canon, uh, erases the parts where the good guys had no hope of winning, and writes in uh, that they have a chance. And that's the only reason the invasion gets won. And that's why people are kind of upset about it, because it's... uh, it introduced kind of the silly fourth wall breaking character that the entire plot hinged on uh, at the last minute of this 12 book, you know, epic, whether or not it's coordinated very well, because I'm pretty sure the story shifted like two or three times in the middle of these four years. But yeah, that's basically why people are upset by Commodore Guff. It's not even that he's silly. There are plenty of th- silly things in magic. It's just fucking terrible storytelling and Commodore Guff is literally the worst thing that has appeared in any magic story. Oh, that no, isn't... no. I'm going with Dr. <laughs> oh, Jess. I'm sorry. Dr. <laughs> Jess was infinitely worse than Commodore Guff. Like, Commodore Guff at least had, like, some humor factor to it where it's like, why am I suffering through this book? Dr. Jess is just like, you actually wrote this? Like, you you willingly wrote this book for wizards and they willingly published it. I don't know. Like it, there's, there's different levels to offensiveness for it, for me where I'm just like, nah, I can, I can vibe with Commodore Guff, but Dr. Jest is just like, okay, so there's a little worm thing that's in your brain. And it also has the witty commentary that, and uses swears and keeps you from swearing. And like, it's just like, entirely nonsensical and i think like nonsensical on a more insulting to read level than invasion trilogy ever was (laughs) that's fair all right so our next question comes from someone near and dear to our heart jaya ballard on twitter who is ashley and ashley asks werewolves yes ashley werewolves yes i am dating a werewolf so definitely yes i dated a werewolf and on that note i will say no wow (laughs) jay is a double coward wow (laughs) our next question comes from uh p kinter uh 13 on twitter if the gatewatch went to segovia would they be literal giants to everyone there no no i think what the the thing about uh segovia was like if you people would automatically shrink shrink down uh but if you summoned the creatures elsewhere they would stay small which is like really really strange like i don't know we don't actually know how it works because we've never visited it in a story and it's just kind of a joke that has run on for a very long time I i love that it's a running joke but at the same time like I don't get how it works and I don't think I want to get how it works because it's like not that it's not that um I guess like funny <laughs> it, it it'd be you know it's do, do we use Gulliver's travels logic there M- maybe if there's a story that wants to be told like that there maybe all right so that does it for our mailbag questions that we have uh received up to this point if you have uh put one in and we no, didn't get hold to on, it hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on like, we're not finished this last question, because in the Plains of Plane Chase article, it is literally written about Segovia. Travel here and expect to get shrunk down to size, just like the locals. So it's just relative size. Like, it'd be like me walking to, into a different room and I'm like half the size, but everything in that room is half the size. It's like, 
I can't tell. Nobody, <laughs> but nobody in the other room can see me in the shrunk down room. So, like, what's the difference? It exactly. only matters to the cards. This is, this is an important question. Okay, let's end this episode because it's long. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is my book comes out tomorrow. And while you, you might have heard of it, I might have talked about it a little bit. I don't know. It is work for hire. So while I don't make extra money for it selling well, it does help me get hired on to extra stuff, more stuff. So if you want to see me write more books uh, about magic lore, uh, make sure to pick it up. My final thought is uh, earlier last week. Uh, when the Extra Life Secret Lair was announced, uh, a whole bunch of racists went around editing the baby Niambi into violent situations on other magic cards, which is super unacceptable, and I'm very disappointed in Judge Academy's response because a lot of those images circle, uh, circulated around the Judge uh, Discord. And uh, here's what you do with racists. You call them out and you deplatform them and you kick them out of your community and you don't let them participate with you you don't educate them and give them second chances you just give them the boot they don't get to come back until they learn better it's not your job to fix them they are bad people who don't get to play with you and magic has a problem with that and uh if you see people doing racist crap or sexist crap or transphobic crap in your store you need to get those people out of your store because it's costing you a lot of other minorities that could exist in that space <sighs> i'm very just very tired yeah what i'll say is when i was a government supervisor i had byzantine levels of red tape involved with the disciplinary process to get rid of people uh like if someone was looking at porn at work i couldn't get rid of them for that it, uh, I'd have to go through a long process about wasting government time. Uh, if someone was a drug addict, I could not necessarily get rid of them for that right away. You know, if but that's good because the war on drugs is bullshit. Yes, well, I would want to get them help first, but it's just an example. Uh, if they were racist, bye, goodbye. Like, there's no remediation is for when you don't pass a test by a little bit, not for racist schmucks. That makes me very happy to hear. Um, I don't really have anything else to add to that because I'm kind of tired with all of this nonsense, but uh, it, it's really disappointing. But, you know, it's whatever. I can't wait for Commander Legends previews to start. I hope there's an Eladomri card in there and a Belby card because there were some uh, some really cool uh, things that I, I'm hoping for. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I, I was listening to our episode with Gavin about if and wins with um a bunch of the legends and you know it's uh really cool to think about which legends could be in commander legends based on that that uh that interview and i'm really hoping for illidomer and belby to maybe come back so we'll see you know we we could even get a will smith card because he is legend uh... sweet jesus chris go let's get this over with no final thoughts, head empty. This is the last episode before Halloween. So, first thing, happy Halloween. Don't go out, for the love of God, if you're in the U.S. at least. Um, and then second thing, uh, register to vote, because that is coming up 
the day after the next episode after this one. So please, for the love of God, do both of those things. Well, don't do the first one, but do the second one. (laughs) So what I'll say about Halloween is if you can find a safe outdoor... uh, Follow CDC guidance. That's all I'm going to say on this one. It's very complicated with the risk levels uh, in terms of the kinds of things you can do for Halloween. Use common sense. Always wear a mask. Don't go to an indoor party or anything at the bare minimum. And just definitely. just wait till the next day and go to CVS and buy discounted bags of candy. There you go. And and if you folks would like to ask us more questions in the future, even when we don't have a mailbag column, you can head over to patreon.com slash the cast and support us today. Everyone who does gets access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses around the world are constantly asking us questions, and each other questions, and having discussions. And it's very exciting, especially during preview seasons, like we're about to head into with Commander Legends. And we want more people there, so all the people who do exist on the server and support us on Patreon, thank you so much for now. To all the other listeners out there, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, we we hope to see you on the uh, Discord server in the future. Thank you all for listening. This has been a very long episode of the Vorthos Cast.